Hello, friends. Welcome to Sibling Rivalries. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to start recording. <laughs> well, tell them what the show is about, Caleb. That's my brother, Caleb. And that was my sister, Chrisanne. Uh, this is the show where we argue about different Christian ideas, but we don't excommunicate each other at the end of the day. Yeah, at least we haven't yet, so... We're, uh, we're, we'll keep arguing until we find something to, to split over. Until we find the one thing. Don't forget to rate and review us and like us and subscribe and do all the other things you do for all the other podcasts that you love uh, because it, it does help. And also, you know, it feels nice. Oh, no. my! <laughs> Did that look really funny on yours? It looked very funny. The thing is, I was about to say that we can't start making money unless people like it and subscribe. That's right. And then your phone fell. So it might be like God saying, oh, this is like, it's too greedy. You're asking too much. Yeah. Or maybe it's God saying you need better equipment and people need to get you paid. That could be it. And you know what? Let's let let the people decide. Let's let them. Okay. Like and subscribe if you want us to get better equipment so our phones don't drop. (laughs) Yeah. Our topic of highest import for today is the topic of personality tests. Like, uh, what is that one called? Myers Briggs. Yeah, Myers Briggs. And there's like one with colors and. Or A Pest. The A Pest thing, which we've talked Anagram. about in a. That's, that's called a callback, because we've <laughs> talked about that in previous episodes. Enneagram. It was completely planned. Yeah. So, anyway, what do you think about personality tests? I think they can be useful. My issue isn't, so I have a kind of an issue with personality tests, but it's not really with the tests. It's with the people who use Mm. them. Cause I feel like, like I had to do a Myers-Briggs one time Mm -hmm. as in like the hiring process of like whatever they wanted to know my Myers-Briggs. Um, and they put a lot of value in like, Oh, you're a, I think I was a ENTJ at the time. And it like the whole thing about personality tests is it kind of gives you an idea, like a basic idea, but it doesn't dictate. Yeah. It's not like, well, I'm an ENTJ, so it's okay that I'm kind of a jerk. Yeah. Like Like, I'm introverted. So it doesn't justify. Yeah, right. I agree. Yeah. And people and like Enneagram is super popular. And I know some people that have done that also like, oh, I'm a, I don't know what the numbers mean. So no one if you are this number take this personally i'm a seven so like that's okay but it's like no that wasn't okay yeah. it's still kind of a they say mean thing you they did. say about the enneagram that other personality tests put you in a box and the enneagram tells you what your box is so you can get out but i actually think that that's that and i, I think that's good I, I think that that should just apply to all of them though like anything you do like that yeah. you should totally see it as an opportunity to grow Versus like, yeah. this is how I can excuse all my like kind of shitty behavior. <laughs> yeah. And like Chanel, my wife, she's into Enneagram and stuff. And yeah. So like her and I talk about, about it. what type I am. Yeah. And it's, it's one thing, it's healthy yeah. to use it to say like, oh, these are good traits that I have. So I'm going to, you know, Lean keep in. doing those. Yeah. And these are some bad traits that I have, and this is how I can work on them. Yeah, well, in any... And that's like that's a great way to use a personality test, but yeah. to 
to justify the bad things you do and then not try and yeah exactly and the and the enneagram is all about like soul work and heart work and stuff so it's like if you're not using it to actually really dive in you're not really using it it's been very helpful for me like in our marriage and stuff but um with my husband gabe but it's but it's uh but yeah it's all how you use it i do think though so there's one it's called the big five personality test and that's the only one that is like actually scientific like they all claim to have some basis in like empirical reality or something but the only one that there's been any real uh data behind is the big five and it's pretty boring <laughs> it's like like it's it's interesting because it's you and it's always interesting to see that stuff but it's also not one of those where it's like you're just born this way and you'll be this forever it's again it's it's meant it's used by psychologists to kind of assess where you're at and then okay well do you huh. want to grow in like one of them is uh openness do you want to become more open or do you not like it's kind of up to you what you want to do with things agreeableness is another one yeah. So anyway, it's kind of. Cool. I just think it's a problem if people use these as a crutch and they become addicted to the personality. It's test. funny you say that, Caleb, because our topic of frivolity today is alcohol and drugs. Interesting. How coincidental. How coincidental. Which, which I I don't know if you knew this, but people can get addicted to those things. Really. Yeah. I knew they could get addicted to personality tests. I was not aware that they could get addicted to yeah, drugs. Yeah, also that. Lesser known Good fact. Good to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good to know. Mm -hmm. I'm here to teach. Um, so first and foremost, foremost because uh, we're talking to, we're talking about Christian things. Um, <laughs> what, what does the Bible say about um, alcohol and drugs or substances or those kinds of things, Caleb? So there's definitely alcohol in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Jesus's first miracle is making water into wine. And wine contains alcohol. It does. It does. Which always like... And then the story is like they <laughs> they thought it was the best wine, right? They're like, oh, this is the best wine. Like you saved it for last. And then like throughout the Bible, they talk about people getting drunk on wine. And that's one of Paul's things of the Corinthians is like, hey, how come some of you are getting drunk yeah. and some of you are leaving hungry? And the reason and so, that you're highlighting this is because. Because when we were going to a church as kids, they were told us like, oh, no, the wine that they had back in the day was basically just juice. Yeah. Like Jesus didn't drink alcohol. <laughs> it's like so weird. First of all, they didn't pasteurize juice until like the 19th century, I think. 18th century so they they couldn't prevent juice from, from fermenting rot. yeah 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 <laughs> like it would have alcohol like you can't not have alcohol in it unless it's like fresh off the press like they pressed it into a jar in front of you and they were just came off the vine like that's so funny it was just so it was just so weird because like they would talk and it's true like most people who drank wine back in those days they didn't drink it to get drunk it was because it killed the bacteria in the yeah, water. Yeah, do you like think you people's would... tolerances were also pretty, like, a lot higher? Because well, I don't know, because I think that the wine it was less concentrated. Because they have like you can read other uh, contemporary works about like, um, like how to prepare how to drink wine, and it was like three parts water to one part wine. It's so, like they oh, water like it they down mix a lot. It? Oh, 
Yeah, because the alcohol would kill the bacteria in the water and you mostly were just trying Hydrate. to drink water. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And just not, and you just didn't want the bugs to get you. Even Paul, like Timothy was having stomach issues and Paul advises him, recommends him like, hey, have a little bit of wine and it'll help like Have you ever the, tried that? The stomach. No, I'm not a fan of wine. I think it tastes like sour grape juice. I don't like it. <laughs> it is sour grape. Juice. I have I have treated a, a upset stomach with some scotch. Does it That's work? Helped. Well, I don't know if it helps with the upset stomach, but I you forget I about like it. Scotch. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. If you drink enough, um, nothing hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Even your childhood, you know, trauma. kind of like my childhood yeah. trauma. If I have upset stomach, I just drink enough scotch until it doesn't bother me anymore. So I, although I do think so. Anyway, so the Bible does talk about alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, Jesus turns water into wine, which their definition of wine has alcohol. It's like ours. Um, maybe not as concentrated because over the years we've been able to get better at all the science and stuff, but maybe yeah. um, definitely enough for people to get drunk. Like we know that. Yeah. So, And is there like in the Bible, are there any like directions about how we should treat alcohol or being drunk maybe? Well, so the only thing that I could think in the new Testament was Paul in his letter to the Corinth, his first letter to the Corinthians and his letter to the Galatians. Um, and I think somewhere else, but off the top of my head, that's all I can think of where he, he has a list of like these, if you do these things or people who do these things will not inherit the kingdom. And he uses the word drunkenness or drunkards. Mm -hmm. And it's the, the actual word. Oh, I thought I wrote down the Greek word. I didn't. It would be easy to find, though. But it's it's literally just translates to intoxicated, like intoxication. So just getting drunk. Um, hmm. Now, as we've said before, I think when he says those things, it's people whose lives are marked by those things. So he does mention drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of, of heaven. And mm -hmm. the word that he's using just means intoxication, like people who get drunk. Mm -hmm. um, as far as an actual rule around alcohol use and substance use, the, I don't think there is a direct one. Paul does say not to defile the body because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. in 1 Corinthians 6. Um, and he's talking about sexual immorality, but the reason he says not to do that is because we are the, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and not to defile it. So, he also says that everything we do, we should do to the glory of God in chapter 10 of the same letter. So I think yeah. if like getting drunk, if there's a way to glorify God in doing that, then <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I don't, I can't think of one that there is, but I, I'm also not dogmatic and I'm not, like I said in a previous episode, I think it's legalism to put rules around stuff that Jesus and the apostles did. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have a hard set rule where it's like, I'm not going to judge someone right? if, if they, whatever, like if you go out and party with friends and then you lead them to Christ, I can't really say that that was a, a bad thing that you yeah. did. Cause you know, if you never like that may have been glorifying to God, you know, getting drunk um, with your friends. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there are, I would advise against it, but it's not something I'm, I'm hard set against. Yeah. I mean, there are other passages in the new Testament that like there's 
in Ephesians 5, 18, it says, don't get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but instead be filled with the spirit. And in Galatians, they talk about, uh, they list drunkenness as something they warn against. They, I say, as Paul, Paul wrote Galatians. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and Ephesians and Ephesians. So, um, but who wrote Hebrews? That's the real question. I think it was a woman. That's another episode. We just talked about this. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in Romans, I mean, so there is like advice against, against drunkenness and against being a drunkard and all of that stuff. Certainly not against drinking wine, but it's more about being drunk. I think it's generally good advice to, you know, not be kind of out of your mind all the time. Um, but I also think that, I mean, if you're getting drunk all the time. You're a drunk. <laughs> so, yeah. It's different than like yeah. drunkenness on its own, you know. But also, I think that um, it seems like in the New Testament, drunkenness goes along with like or. Uh, orgies and sexual immorality and stuff and so it may <laughs> can you can you point out to me in the new testament where it has drunkenness with orgies because i might have missed that story it no it just looks i feel like it. that's a story i wouldn't forget it's not a story i'm just saying it lists it like in galatians it's envy drunkenness orgies and things like these in um romans it's it, uh, walk properly, not in orgies and drunkenness. <laughs> so, so I'm just saying there seems to be a pairing there. <laughs> and it makes me think about like, I don't know a lot about, I don't know as much as I'd like to about like uh, Rome at that time. This is like, as it was kind of falling a little bit. I mean, it's like pre-fall, but it's, you know, first century is like not long before Rome falls. And I know that towards the end of Rome, the Roman Empire, there was a lot of like uh, debauchery, which is what it's called in uh, Ephesians. But, you know, there was a lot of like really kind of gross things, gross stuff happening, like abuse of power and um, a lot of stuff that involved like sex and a lot of feasting and wine and stuff on the upper classes And so it kind of makes me wonder if like some of what Paul is warning against is like kind of like in Romans, there's a strong theme of like not being of this world, even though you're in it. And if he's and if, you know, there's this kind of like these things are happening around you and um, you should really just stay away from these things. (laughs) Like they're not they're not promoting the, the way of Christ that you are now, you know, a part of. And so. It comes to it, it just makes me think that sometimes people do get kind of legalistic about like, you know, well, it's never okay to be drunk. But I think that Paul's talking about, like you said, a lifestyle of like kind of always being drunk or of which is just like you're asleep to your life, which is obviously not the way of Christ. Or, you know, I think he's also taking on some of the maybe cultural, the things that have become normal in their culture that he's pointing out are not like they don't go, they're not in line with, you know, what we're trying to pursue here as Christians. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think a little off topic. I think it was weird. You mentioned it was paired with orgies. (laughs) (laughs) Because 
because your main point was essentially the same, like, unless I'm mistaken, was essentially the same thing as mine of like <laughs> general, general rule of like, hey, like drunkenness is, it's, it's a worldly <laughs> thing. It's, it's, it's a desire of the flesh. It's not something that marks. I paired it a with Christian. orgies because the Bible does in these passages. Like and I think a couple of places, yeah, but it also lists it with murders in. Um, yeah, but don't you think that's interesting? Because you know, we know that like the Romans had these par- parties where they would like eat all this really good food and then and drink really good wine and get drunk and also have orgies. <laughs> I'm just saying it's related. Okay. It's okay. like part of the thing you do. It'd be like. It's like, uh, I don't know. But it's not, but it's not like, I don't think Paul is saying, hey, you can go out and get drunk as long as you're not doing orgies too. That's not what I'm saying. I know. And I know that's not what you're saying. It's just, it's just, I don't know. Maybe I'm saying, maybe I'm something. saying it has a, I'm saying it's possible. It has a place in first century Roman culture that it doesn't today. And so I guess my point was. <laughs> It's not a counterpoint. I'm just like adding to what you said, but I'm just saying that maybe sometimes when people look at these passages and they take it very like this is a mandate for us, they're also like they're not understanding that he's addressing like something that's happening in their culture that's not necessarily happening in our culture. Like we're that's not a normal part of our culture for people to get drunk and have orgies. Like, I'm sure people do it. It's not a normal part of our culture. Well, American culture. I'm sure people do it. Actually, when yeah. my husband was in the army, uh, a bunch of families, like we lived in military housing and several families left at one time. And I found out through a neighbor that they were swingers. <laughs> they got like kicked out because from the army, like the army, uh, they had a... You're not allowed to swing if you're in the army? No, you can't. The army has like... They're not laws, but they're like tri- – you'll go to a tribunal if you like cheat on your wife and stuff. Well, you won't go to a tribunal for cheating on your wife. That's wrong. But but it is against their rules, and they will like try to hold you accountable. Huh. And so they were – yeah, they were like swingers and got kicked out. That's what this lady said. Maybe she was <laughs> lying to me, but anyway. <laughs> so our next question is, you know – given what the Bible says, but even just kind of like our own opinions, do you think that Christians should have rules around substances? I think it depends on the Christian. If, if I used to be addicted to drugs or alcohol and I came to Jesus, um, I, while I do believe there's healing in Jesus and it's not like, you're not always an alcoholic for the rest of your life. Um, if I know that I'm more susceptible to falling into alcoholism because of my past, I might have a rule for myself. Like, Oh, I'm, I don't drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. I'm going to abstain from alcohol. Um, I don't think it's, it should, I don't think anyone should have a hard set rule around drugs or, or substances other than just don't abuse them. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's it would just depend on on the person, yeah, um, and and why you're using it. So it's you know it's, if you're sorry, go ahead. No, I was I was kind of rambling. Go ahead. So it's like uh, Christians shouldn't, but like you might need one. 
kind of a thing. Like this might be something that's yeah. beneficial for you, but it's not like a broad we can say for everybody. Right. It's not the it's not that every Christian should abstain from alcohol, but I may have to. Do you think every Christian should abstain from getting drunk? I think we should try. I don't think I think if we if we like let me tell you a story. So personally, I don't even like getting buzzed, just the feeling of it. Um, I enjoy scotch. I like the taste of it and I like the little warm in the belly, but I don't, I don't like to drink enough to where I can feel it in my head. Mm. Um, but one day I went to a, a friend's giving meal, but it was at the end of the day and throughout the day I hadn't eaten anything. So I showed up and all I had was a, uh, a bottle of cider and someone made like, um, I think they were like white Russian little yeah. shooters or whatever. Yeah. So I had one of those and then I had um, some cider and normally that wouldn't be enough to even feel, but because I hadn't eaten anything like all day, I, it went straight to my head <laughs> and um, yeah, I, turns out I kind of turned into a jerk. Like really? I, so in high school, my sense of humor was very much like deprecating and then when I grew up, I realized that I was putting people down. So now it's more self-deprecating because I don't care if I make fun of myself, but I don't like to put other people mm-hmm. down. And then I just kind of reverted back to that sort of sense of humor where I would like make a joke at someone's expense, but then immediately I'd be like, hey, I'm sorry, man. Like, my bad. So, so you Chanel, were my wife, an asshole. Chanel thought it was hilarious. You're like... <laughs> I, was, I was, but I was a regretful one, I guess. I you were know. a regretful asshole. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny. But... <laughs> so so for me i felt bad about that because it's like i i got to a point where i was doing things that normally i wouldn't um yeah. and i think that as a christian like paul says we should be filled with the spirit and not full of wine and i think part of that is that we should be we should be in control of our actions because one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control yeah so if we're doing things that we don't want to be doing if something is causing us to lose that control, then I think we should abstain from that. So like, um, so now if someone can, can get that head rush and they, they still are like loving their brother and they still, they don't do things that, that they regret and it's, they're still in. Yeah. Because themselves, for some people, I don't see it. It's a problem. I think it even makes it easier for them to uh, be more like open hearted and, you know, I mean, I think for some people it loosens up, you know, maybe yeah. some of their fear mechanisms or whatever. Because um, it's not like you're completely out of control. I mean, with the situation you're talking about, you're not like out of control of yourself. No, you know? like I'm not. I still have my wits about yeah. me to not like I wasn't going to punch somebody or, yeah. or say something or do something really mean. Yeah. And you're not like blackout just... where you can't remember anything. I mean, I feel like right. the the problems with like getting blackout drunk are obvious. Like, I don't even think that we need to. I don't think anybody Christian or not. Like, I just don't think it's a good idea. You know, I mean, you could die. Don't do it, people. You could die. Um, but, <laughs> but like, you know, as far as like loosening up, like they say, what's the what's the saying? Liquid courage. You know, it like helps people oh, yeah. like just relax a little bit. And so then they can, they feel like they're a little bit more themselves, but. Or it makes you want to fight. 
everybody in the room and makes you think that you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does that happen to you? Well, no, but like as a cop, I have to deal with those guys that they have the liquid courage and they see three cops and they're like, I can take them. <laughs> and it's like, sir, we just want you to put on your pants and go home. <laughs> he's like, no. You have yeah. no idea the overlap between being a cop and being a mom. It's like that. <laughs> uh, just want you to put your pants on, man. Um, <laughs> all right. So that kind of brings us into this next question slash topic, which is like, what are drugs and alcohol and substances? What are they even doing? And is it okay to be like under that kind of influence? Like, so what do we think about that? What, what are we doing when we're taking these things? And, and, uh, can we imagine a situation where that it would be okay to be under the influence of a substance? Well, so again, it kind of goes to the extent, right? Like I consume alcohol, but I don't get drunk. So there's someone can, you can smoke weed, but not get so high that you're, you know, out of your own control or whatever. Does weed put you um, out of your own? Like, can you do enough I to don't, be? I mean, I've seen people who are like really high and I wouldn't want to be in that. On marijuana? State. Only on marijuana? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But it's not like, it's not to the level of like blackout drunk. Um, But like nicotine, nicotine, you'll never, you won't get high on nicotine to the point where like you're too inebriated to drive or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it kind of goes back to that. Like everything we do, we should do for the glory of God. So I do drink coffee for the glory of God. Yeah. But similar caffeine, right? That has an effect on us. Um, But if we can't be, I don't think we should be so dogmatic to say that we can only do things that are beneficial to our body because sitting at a computer for three hours straight isn't beneficial to our body. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people do. There might be other benefits. Like I said before, I don't think we should be so dogmatic, but if we're taking any substance, regardless, even if, if it's food, if we're addicted to mm-hmm. it, if we're taking anything and it has control over us or power over us, then I think that thing we should, we should gain control over it. So, um, was it first Corinthians six twelve? It, uh, My favorite addresses kind of a addiction it says all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under power of any. So we should be under the power of the Holy Spirit. We should be under our own control. We shouldn't be under the power of anything else. So if we're, whatever we're addicted to, we should get control of it. And then if we're not, even if we aren't addicted, but if we're taking something, like you said before, I think you said before, like if we're trying to escape our life or we're trying to, to get away from reality. Yeah. So you're basically, you're running from, because reality is the truth. Right. The truth is what's what's, what's really here real in front of you. What's yeah. here. And if you're running away from that, you're running away from the truth. And so if you're whether it's drinking alcohol or you're smoking uh, tobacco as a crutch yeah. or you're using harder drugs, if you're trying to escape reality, then that's. Yeah. 
know. I think it's the escaping part. I because it's like <clears throat> I do think that like there is I was I was noticing that if I didn't have coffee first thing in the morning I'd get a headache. And I was like, uh, I don't really like this because it just made me see feel like my body was too physically dependent on it. And mm-hmm. so I started I cut back. I was drinking a lot of coffee though. <laughs> so I cut back a bit and um but I still like if I don't have a cup of coffee, you know, in the middle of the day, I might start feeling more tired than I would if I had, you know what I mean? So Yeah. And I don't, you know, it's like, yes, this is this is part of how I'm living, but I'm still like present in my life and maybe it's helping me be more present. Maybe I could kick it and replace that with yoga, but I'm not going to do that. So I think it's like, I think the, the, that serious problems come in when we are, like you said, trying to escape reality because what's actually here, my kids, my family, my home, you know, whatever, like that is actually my life. And if I'm doing things, anything to get out of that life, then I think it is counter to the way of Jesus who was Mm -hmm. always present, you know, like Jesus, that was kind of his message is like, be here, be in like God made this world a good place and he wants you to be in it. And so I think that that's where the real problem is. And you can do that with other things besides substances. I mean, you can do that with, you know, food, food with TV, you know, with Mm -hmm. podcasts and with not ours though. Keep listening to ours. Ours is the exception. Um, Pete N says his, he says, um, the Bible for normal people, the only God ordained podcast on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I always like that. Um, but anyway, so yeah, you can do that. And, or even like thoughts, like I struggle with anxiety and like my, literally my Mm. own brain can take me out of this present moment. And I will be obsessing over something that I'm feeling anxious about instead of being here. And that is, it's almost like it is kind of like an addiction to fear and to those kinds of things. And and I, so I think it really isn't about like the alcohol or the drug or whatever. It's more about like, how are you using this? What is this doing? Right. And is this, is this taking you out of the life you're meant to be living in? And if it is, it's not like a top down, like, you know, cut it out or else kind of thing, which is how it's often presented, I think, in yeah. Christian institutions. But it's more like a, like, come back, come back to your life, you know, like, because you got a good life. Cause you got a, got a good life. So I, I like what you just said. And I, I also want to add, though, as far as the the substance use, um, because you know, one of the primary things is self-control and, and glorifying God and, um, and escaping reality. I, I do think that there are some cases I'm thinking medically where these substances can take us out of our own kind of out of our own selves, but it still has a good use, right? Like if you're taking, if you're taking opiates, to deal with pain mm. that would otherwise cripple you. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. Then that I don't, I'm not going to hold that against anybody, you know? Yeah. Um, we watched our mom who was very much in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was, she had some very painful 
times and she took, you know, Percocet and whatever. And, um, she was on hospice. So she basically had whatever she wanted. Um, but she never, she wasn't relying on those things. It was, it was because without those things, she would be, you know, lying in bed in agony. And not able to enjoy um, her last, you know, days yeah. on earth. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there are, I, I think there are medicinal totally uses for those things. And even exceptions where, you know, if I were to take the the drugs that she took and get in the state of mind that she was in, for me, I think it would be a bad thing because I'm not fighting that yeah, pain. Right. Um, right. What would be the purpose of me doing that? But for her, it would be it would be well, okay. Well, that's so, exactly. It's just what are you doing with this? Are you are you trying yeah. to leave reality? Or are you trying to actually get yourself maybe even more into reality? Which brings up psychedelics, which I really want to talk about <laughs> with you, because I have, uh, well. It's like kind of in the zeitgeist right now. So probably a lot of people have learned more about psychedelics um, in the last couple of years. Like Joe Rogan mm-hmm. has had several podcasts about it. So, and like half the country listens to Joe Rogan. But Oh, well, if Joe Rogan if says Joe it. Joe Rogan says it. He's the fear factor guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's really interesting. Like people take psychedelics and they come away from it with a more with like an enhanced appreciation for their lives and more presence and less anxiety and like it does all the thing like it it's not to me it seems like it's doing obvious good there are also people who i mean i'm sure you can also use these things to escape reality though with the like like dmt and these things that are like uh Kind of more extreme. Synthetic or? Uh, I don't, I don't think DMT is synthetic, but I mean the things that are more extreme, it's, it's said, I've never taken these things. So this is all secondhand knowledge. Uh Sure. (laughs) Um, But like, it's said that like, you wouldn't take it as a, a lot of this stuff, like you wouldn't take it to escape reality. Like it, because it's not, some of them are not even like uh, overtly enjoyable. (laughs) They're like, kind of like, uh, I don't know. They're, they, it's like they, the way they describe it is like it brings you to the bottom of your existence and then you come away from it, like appreciating reality more. And well, and I mean, then there's also people who do take it like, like the hippies and they're like, Hey man. And they just get high all the time for fun and it is for fun, but. So you're saying that the people will use these, use these chemicals as like a like a one time thing to to experience for the experience itself, yeah. To try it like for self improvement, yes, or something like, along those lines. Well, and yeah, they might do it more than once, but that it's like not a right. Reg- it's a thing that they're doing in order to become more present, almost like a ceremony. Yeah, yes, like the ayahuasca thing. Did you look that up when I I sent you a link to a thing? Did you look at that? No, I. That was a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. I I've looked at it, but I didn't like look into read it. all of it. And, okay. Yeah. That is crazy because people go, they take this ayahuasca, which is a natural, it's like a plant and they, well, plants can't be bad. For you. <laughs> right. And they, um, 
like throw up. Like it's a horrible experience. Everyone who does it says it's horrible. But then while they're like while they're doing it, but then afterwards they have this like clarity and they have like it's like they throw up and they're like purging this all this stuff from themselves. And then they like when it's all over, they're like more centered and more at peace. Although it has it can cause seizures and people have died doing these. (laughs) I feel like that doesn't make it worth it. Well, I mean, you could feel more centered and vomit or you could die. You could have. Well, yeah, but maybe you're not afraid of death by the time you die because of your thing. I'm pretty sure that's not the case, though, because there are people who've had seizures. (laughs) But I don't know. It's just very interesting. And it's like ancient cultures have used these things. I don't know. What do you think about that? What do you think? Well, so that is one of the things that's. warned against in the new testament is sorcery and the word translated to sorcery is pharmakeia what um yeah why is this sorcery and it's what i don't understand that because it's because they would use drugs like psychedelics or whatever to put you in a state of mind to perform like sorceries and it was like uh like soothsayers and stuff what is the what is the what is that passage that talks about that what the hell is a soothsayer (laughs) What is that? Like uh, oracles, like oracles. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So in in Galatians chapter 5, in the same area where it talks about drunkards or drunkenness, uh, in verse 20, in the list of all the stuff says, now the works of the flesh are evident, and one of them is sorcery, which is the Greek word pharmakeia. Mm. Um, so it's... It's like the the use of drugs in witchcraft or sorcery, oracles, like magic. Um, so the idea of using psychedelics for an experience like you're talking about, um, I would not be in favor of. I'm a, I'm not even in favor of like meditation of like emptying yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, meditation in the form of like like the Buddhist tradition where you want to like try to empty yourself of all Mm -hmm. thought and tethers or whatever. Um, Because like my thing is I want to be filled with the spirit. I don't want to be emptied out. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't think I need a drug to experience God. We have Jesus. He's the high priest. He goes, we can talk to God directly because we're in Christ. So Mm yeah, I, uh, Again, I would, if someone asked my advice, I would advise against it, but I'm not going to be so dogmatic as to say. Well, it's not like you're not a Christian if you you do it. You're just thinking it's not very wise to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you're, you're opening yourself up to, because we are like our enemy is, our enemies are the principalities and not, not the people of the flesh. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we're, we're, when we lose ourselves, we're, we're opening ourselves up to to be susceptible to spiritual sure, attack. Yeah. And I do think so. it's clear that there are, there are evil <laughs> things out there. I, I think I'm yeah. torn because, which is another reason why I don't think John was on psychedelics. I for sure think he was, but I'm, I'm a bit torn because <laughs> was Daniel on psychedelics? Maybe. 
And Joseph with his Technicolor dream coat. The guy who wrote that play probably was. Um, <laughs> I'm a bit torn because I really do think that the call of Christ is one to toward trust of like trust of what's going on here. I mean, I, I am a fan of meditation and when, and I used to think the same way you did of like, I don't want to empty myself. And even sometimes now when a meditation is guiding me to empty, I get a little fearful and I, and, and I realized through my practice that it is like, um, because we were taught like, you know, you're making yourself vulnerable to like evil spirits or something. But I also think that part of the Christian way of the Jesus way is trusting that um, there's good there too. And trusting that like the Holy Spirit is eager to jump in as well. And so I have found it's been healthy for me to lean more into that trust. And so I could see doing getting to a place where I would be open to kind of the good stuff that is available through like psychedelics and stuff. Mm-hmm. At the same time, again, all secondhand, because I'm only hearing what other people have said about it, but they say that if you go into it with a fearful mindset, then often like what they call a bad trip, you know, is often because yeah. you've gone into it um, like not open to I, I yeah, I'm just putting this together right now, but it's like I think that Jesus was calling us to more openness to the good that's around us and to the abundance of God's creation um, and to more trust, you know, don't be anxious, look at the birds, all that kind of stuff. And that he is helping us to combat our natural impulses toward fear and scarcity mindset. And that if you go into these kind, this kind of experience and you're not ready for it, as in you are still in your scarcity mindset and you're still fearful, I think it is going to be really scary. And you're probably going to encounter some of the things that, that might be out there in the spirit, you know, in the realms that we can't see that are not, uh, that are not necessarily for you. (laughs) Like, you know, that are, that are maybe against you and, and might, you know, be, um, kind of harmful to you in some way, but that if you go into it open and trusting, then I think you'll probably find it to be a much more positive experience. That seems to be consistent with pe- what people say about him, but who knows? I haven't done it yet. I have I have no experience to to work on. Have you heard about people who all no. take psychedelics and then they like talk? T- they get drunk and then have orgies. No, they like talk to the same like spiritual being it will talk to all of them they're all having separate experiences it's like in their mind but they're interacting with the same thing and then when they come out of the trip they they like it's like they were in the same room do you know what i mean like they're like with each other even though it all happened in their head but they're like talking yeah. to each other like oh yeah remember when he said that remember when they isn't that crazy? Huh. It is kind of crazy, but it's also that makes me think that if it was if they were talking to some sort of being that is not of God, it makes me think that it's well, why why do enemy. you assume it's not from maybe it's like an angel? 
I mean, it it could be, but or a seraphim. It also could not be. It's like a box of chocolates. I, you never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> you could have a demon or an angel. <laughs> you test them. But if you take the drug, you'll never know. You have to test them, like Jesus said. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> How would you test? But yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> what is your favorite color? <laughs> I don't know. I'll let you know if I ever meet a demon yeah. or an angel. Yeah, let me know. But I do think that there's, as Christians, one of the things we do is we acknowledge that there is a spiritual world, that there's there's a spiritual reality. Yeah. And and that there's... Yeah. There are, there are beings in the spiritual world who are on our side and fight for us, and there are beings in the spiritual world who are not. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that I think we need to be aware of at all times, but especially when we're um, dabbling in drugs. When we're, yeah, we're doing something where we may be opening ourselves up to contact the spirits or whatever, which I think, I mean, we're told not to try and speak to the dead. I don't know what it says about talking to the in spirit. Like the I think Old the only Testament. spirit we should be talking to is the Holy Spirit. We're told all kinds I'm of pretty things. sure it's the new one. They don't say not to talk sure to the dead. sure it's the New Testament. Hey, I'm sure Paul talks about that. We should have an episode about ghosts. Do you know that after Jesus did, after Jesus um, died, that a bunch of people came out of their graves? That's what it says in the Bible. Yeah, it's in the it's in the Gospels. Why is that never talked about? That seems like a significant part part of this situation. I mean, it's. I do feel like it gets overlooked fairly often. Uh, yeah. But it's definitely part of the story. I mean, that's in there. It's not and a part of it, it, of the narrative. Right Every Easter, we don't like make You're little right. cookies in, in Easter's, of people we don't rising usually from the dead. Do that. No, we do not. It's a very weird thing. It's like a zombie story. Anyway. Ooh. Paul does say even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Yeah, maybe you're right. I think that is... Uh, Edit, edit me saying it was in the New Testament out because I think it is in the Old Testament. No. John says to, to test say, every spirit. I'm wrong. You're right. You win everything. I did want to add that whether it's psychedelics or just kind of getting drunk or whatever, um, kind of going back to the reasons why we do things, there's this experiment called Rat Park. Have you heard of this? No. Okay, well, they gave rats... Uh, heroin and one yeah they put they put they had like two water bottles and one had heroin in it and the rats would have the heroin and then you know once they had it once like they would keep going back to that one and then they would die (laughs) that's very sad (laughs) (laughs) um and so that was a bro yeah so they thought that this proved that heroin is like super addictive and will kill you well they kind of, at some point, they basically were like, maybe the rats are kind of not having a great life in here um, while they drink their heroin. So we should try to um, give them like a good life. So they populated it with like, so there was like female rats and male rats. They could have sex. There was like, you know, like a wheel they could run on. They had, you know, other food, other things to enjoy, whatever. They made it like a rat paradise. They put the heroin 
in there and the regular water and they found that basically like they would go and maybe get a little bit and um and get their little high or whatever but that they wouldn't keep going back to it and dying like they would they were enjoying their lives and you know they had rat friendships and whatever <laughs> and so um and so researchers because of this they think that you know addiction actually it doesn't it's not so much a chemical situation it's more of like has to do with connection and if a person feels like they have meaning and purpose in their life or that they have things outside of like drugs mm. <laughs> that they can enjoy and put their, you know, put themselves to, um, and particularly relationships, you know, and then it, then they don't, uh, addiction goes down. And so I think, I think again, like getting back to the heart of why, like, are you trying to escape your life? I think that is what Christ offers us is, you know, Christ offers and through his, you know, his church, the body, other people, um, offers us a purpose and, um, meaning something, a story we can live into and community and friendships and, you know, people to live for. And, um, and so I think like that is like, ultimately, like, it's not really about, you know, so much the alcohol or the drugs itself, but more like, um, we just have a better story that we are invited to live into. And so, like, you can go and, you know, get high and escape your life, I guess. But, like, you have this life that you could be part of, you know, and and that's what the invitation of Christ is. So those are my final thoughts. Well, I think those are good final th thoughts for the uh, episode. Yeah. Well put. Thanks. It's kind of a bummer. We pretty much agreed on this one. Yeah. This is more of just a discussion. Um, Maybe if one of us was high, sorry everybody, we would have had. Oh yeah, we'll have to. Do we should have just done that. I just won't eat anything, and I'll have a white Russian with a bottle of cider. And then you'll make fun of me and apologize throughout the episode. And I will be, yeah, <laughs> very apologetic. Oh man! Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Despite the fact that this wasn't a very dramatic episode, we still appreciate your listenership. Yeah, you don't have to like this one, but still please subscribe. And rate it high anyway. Just lie. <laughs> anyway, peace out. Peace out.